and phone call after phone call, and you know how holidays are in the city. Now, my computer's telling me that I do not exist. <laughs> Can you believe that? It said, this user does not exist. All right, well, I can handle that. I'm no idiot. Give me just a minute, and I'll prove to the computer that I do exist. You know what? This, this is happening to me because I kept the seats the way that they are today. So I, I confused you, so um, the computer is confused by me today. Uh, here we go, we're making, we're making progress here. Come on. Oh, looky there. All right, I knew it. Praise the Lord. All right, well, technology is good when it works, right? And when it doesn't work... It's still good. I like it. Sometimes you just, you just have to uh, take a minute. As I already said, it's good to see you in the Lord's house today. I, uh, my wife and I were able to sit on the deck for a little while last night and watch thousands of dollars go up into the sky and explode. I, I, and, you know, if you live in Bullock County, that's just kind of the way it is. Uh, but I remember living here in Louisville and it was happening. The problem is, is when you sit out on the deck over here, you can't see anything because of all the tree line around and that kind of thing. But in Bullitt County, I mean, you can look to the left and see it, to the right and see it. You can look this way and see it. And when you get tired of it and go in and ready to go to bed, you can hear it for the rest of the night. So anyway, thank God for freedom is what I would say to you today. All right, well, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to take them and turn with me to Psalm chapter 68. And uh, I want to continue, this is week two, in our series of sermons entitled Blessed. How many of you are blessed today? Do you, do you really know that you're blessed? Let me ask you another question. Do you feel blessed? Do you really feel blessed in your life and in your, in your soul and in your spirit? I do. I've just, this week I've been thinking about through my life and going back through the years and I can honestly say that God has blessed me so abundantly, and I'm so thankful to Him for what He has done for me. So today we want to continue this idea that before there was sin, there was divine blessing. I think sometimes we forget that we are blessed. I think sometimes with all the stuff that the world has to throw at us, that we can get so focused on the difficulty and so focused on the hard things that we forget that God has blessed us abundantly. Now, Bill, this sounds much better than it did, but I'd like to have a little bit monitor, and I would appreciate it if you'll do that. You're doing a wonderful job, whoever's up there running me today. I love you, and I'm blessed by you. But I want us to think about this idea and get focused on the idea that we are blessed. We are truly blessed. Last week, we talked about the idea that the original sin, before there was original sin, there was original blessing. That's important that we get that sequence proper. Because if we don't, if we think that we're sinners, and we go around all the time confessing, I'm just a sinner, I, even if you add the phrase, I'm a sinner saved by grace, while you might be speaking the truth to some degree, you're forgetting that before there was sin, there was blessing. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, after he had created mankind in his image, the very next four words are, but God blessed them. I'm glad to be blessed today. And because I was initially blessed, I have the ability and the power through Jesus Christ to overcome sin. And so I don't have to deal with sin in my life because I've overcome it through the blood of Jesus Christ. Sin has no place in my life. It has no place in your life. It has been covered by the blood of Jesus. 
So stop seeing yourself and confessing that you are a sinner. You are blessed by Jesus Christ. And I'm glad for that today. Amen? So blessing is God's most ancient instinct. Blessing should set the tone in our life. Blessing should set the table. We had the uh, grandkids over to the house the other day, and they were there about dinner time, so we thought, well, they're here, and we've already got food going, so let's just go ahead and feed the grandkids because they, they like to eat. I've never seen anybody in the world likes to eat as much as my grandkids. And so I asked them to set the table. I said, would you set the table? Henry, he was the first one. He said, I'll do it. And then Harper said, I'll help. And then Joby, she tried to hide. I said, uh-uh, Joby, get back in here. You're going to help too. Set the table. Now, I have to admit to you that the way that they set the table was not great. I mean, it was quick. It was thrown together. It wasn't in order. But we were ready because they had set the table. And what I'm trying to say to you today is that God's nature, which is love and blessing, is what sets the table in our lives. So we are blessed. His initial posture toward us is always love. It is always good. It is his default setting. So he is good. So if you're a child of God, you're within your rights to claim that you're blessed. You're within your rights to be able to say that I'm a child of God. I'm an heir of the Father. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ, the Scripture says. So whatever the Father is handing out to the Son, then we have the right to partake of that through Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news today? We are blessed. So Psalm chapter 68 verse 19 says this. It says, Blessed be the Lord. Day after day, He bears our burdens. God is our salvation. Selah. Would you just say that last word with me? Selah. I'm going to explain to you what it means in just a few moments. Let's pray first. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today and the, 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 the great expression of worship that the singers brought us to today, the joy of the Lord that is in our heart. And Lord, I just thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and your word is about to do a work in our lives that will change us forever. It's going to bring revelation to us. You have already prepared us for this day and for your word. And as your word goes forth today, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish everything that you have sent it forth to do. And I thank you for that, and I give you praise in Jesus' name, amen and amen. So today, we want to jump ahead into the book of Psalms from Genesis. But you're going to see in this passage of Scripture that what was started in Genesis by God at creation is being recognized many years later by David and the psalmist here in chapter 68. He's agreeing with what God has already said. He's agreeing with God, what God has established in creation. And so from this passage of Scripture today, there are five things that we can see very quickly that will help us to understand that blessing is not just something that happened at creation, but it is something that has been perpetual from that day until this. And we can be blessed in our own lives. Now the first thing that I want to point out to you is that the, psalm ta the psalmist talked about and identified the maker of the benefits. Have you ever been to a church dinner or whatever and you go through the line and you see all these wonderful things and the food that is there? And what's one of the first questions that we ask? Who made that? And you know, the reason we want to know who made that is because we want them to make it again. Can you put my slide up there for me? I'd appreciate it if you would. And we want to know who it is so that we can get the recipe from them. Isn't that true? We want to be able to know who made it. And the psalmist here was very clear in who made these benefits. He said, blessed be 
the Lord. He didn't say, blessed be anybody else. He didn't say, blessed be me. He didn't say, blessed be my neighbor. He sure to goodness did not say, blessed be the devil. But he said, blessed be the Lord. Now, the Hebrew word that is used here is the word barak. And it means to bow down and to salute or to kneel humbly in honor of someone else. So the psalmist is not only giving praise with his lips, but with his life, he is saying God is the one who has benefited me from day one in my life. You remember last week we talked about a psychologist who started every counseling session with this question, what is your earliest memory in life? We even paused for a few moments to, in our own minds, go back through our lives and see what is the earliest memories that we could think of. And I thought of several in my life. And throughout my life, I'm able to think of the many blessings that God has bestowed upon me. That psychologist, once he received the answer from that individual that he was counseling, he would always answer by saying, and such is life. So what he was suggesting is, is that the things that you build your life upon, the things that you remember in your life, the blessings of God, they're not meant just to bless you in that moment, but they are meant to be a building block of something that is going to develop in your life through the years. Aren't you glad that you can stack blessings? Aren't you glad that they're like Legos, that you can just connect them together and you can build these beautiful things out of Legos and they can be marveled at and you can look at them and say, wow, what a beautiful masterpiece that has been created from these Legos. But our lives are that way as well. We can take blessings from our life and stick them together and put them together and build something beautiful in our life that will allow us to go back through the years and say, man, I, I did not realize how that when God blessed me with that, it was going to add on to my life and bring me to a place where I am blessed abundantly in a new way right now. Because God never blesses us just for the moment, but he blesses us in such a way that it creates an attitude and an atmosphere of blessing in our lives. Now, as you move forward to the New Testament, James wrote in chapter 1, verse 17, he says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Aren't you glad that God is consistent in who he is? He doesn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed ever and decide, you know what? I had thought about blessing my people today, but I'm not going to do it. I've had a bad evening. I didn't sleep well. I was up most of the night trying to take care of all the junk in Ukraine and Russia and all that. And I'm tired today, so I'm not going to bless the United States of America. In fact, I'm going to make the wind shift so that all the smoke in Canada comes right down to Louisville, Kentucky. God doesn't operate that way. He is consistently good. He is consistently in this mindset of, I'm going to bless my people. They are my people. And so every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father, and he does not change like shifting shadows. Then Matthew wrote in chapter 7, verses 9 through 11, he said, Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, say how much more, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things <clears throat> to those who ask him? So what we need to do is start taking our position as blessed people of God, people who God wants to bless, People who are the heir of the father and a joint heir with the father's son. We are blessed. Look at your neighbor and say, I am blessed. How about you? 
Now, he created us in his image. Someone once said that we've been creating God in our image ever since. We want God to look like what we want God to look like. And so we start imposing our beliefs and our attitudes and our thinking upon God. But instead, we should be saying, God, we want to change our lives to match your word and your spirit. And so whatever you ask me to do, I'm going to do that. Whatever you ask me to say, I'm going to say that. However you want me to live, that's how I'm going to live. I'm not going to try to make you the God that I want you to be, but instead I want to be the person that you want me to be. Because when we don't take that mentality, what we're doing is we're creating a little g God. We're creating a God that is limited to what we can think and limited to what we can believe. And we impose our pre-existing beliefs and systems upon God. And what God wants to do is break us out into a new season with a new revelation and bring new things into our lives. But the only way that we are ever going to do that and accomplish that is to pronounce in our lives who he says he is and to live according to the revelation of God in us. So... Number two, let's talk about the measure of the benefits. How great is the benefit? What's the benefit package? You know, people go to work for somebody, they want to know what the benefit package is. Well, let's look at it. The psalmist says these two words puts them together. He says, who daily? Those are the second words that the psalmist says, who daily? Now, when he says the word who, he is pointing the blessings back to God. He's not introducing anyone new. He's not introducing a new idea. He is saying the one that I just told you about, the blessed one, the God of our blessing. He's the one who is daily blessing us. Aren't you glad that we are blessed daily? The Hebrew word here for daily is yom. And it is spelled Y-O-W-M for those of you who might be taking notes today. And it literally means a 24-hour period. And it can also mean a season, even a lifetime. Do you know anyone that's been blessed their entire life? You ever seen anybody that just seems like they've never had a difficult day in their life? It just seems like they're blessed from start to finish. Just seems like God's hand has been upon them. Their season of blessing has been their entire life. Others, they have been blessed for a period of time. I mean, they, they've been blessed their whole life, but it just seems like that there was a season where God was so real and so powerful in their lives. Do you remember a time like that in your life where it just seemed like that you were blessed on every side? You were blessed on the right and blessed on the left and blessed ahead and blessed behind and blessed in every direction that you could look. God was blessing you. It was a season. That's God. That's the God that we serve. He is a daily blesser. And we have that kind of God in our lives. Now, let's confess, let's be real. Doesn't always feel like that to us, does it? Sometimes there are seasons in our life when it seems like everything's gone wrong. It seems like everything has been difficult. Everything has been hard. Have you ever found yourself praying for a breakthrough from a difficult season? Because you've just been through so many things and such difficulty. Well, you're, this is not a new concept. You're not the only one that's ever felt that. In fact, if you'll look at Lamentations chapter 3, I want you to see what the writer here has to say. Beginning at verse 1, he said, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. He has driven me away and forced me to walk in darkness instead of light. Yes, he repeatedly turns his hand against me all day long. Now, have you ever felt that way? 
Have you ever been in such a situation facing a certain circumstance and situation that you just felt like God is against me? Every moment of every day, it just seems like that he just keeps pounding me and poundingly and pounding me, and I just can't get free of the discipline of God. It seems that way sometimes, doesn't it? just seems like that God is angry with us. It seems like God is mad at us. Let me tell you something. Even the writer of Lamentations did not have the proper revelation here because he was saying that God is the one who's doing all of this. But God was not the one doing all of that. God does not harm his people. God blesses his people. Genesis 1.28, and God blessed them. Why would he then turn around and he would put this hardship upon you and difficulty upon you to the point that you would be saying, God must be out to get me. And the writer of Lamentations wasn't finished yet. Notice at verse 16, it says, He ground my teeth with gravel and made me cower in the dust. In other words, he's saying, He put me down on the ground, took my head and ground my head into the gravel so that it penetrated my lips and was on my teeth. That's, that's what God was doing to me. No, he's got the wrong revelation there. Verse 17, I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. Then I thought my future is lost as well as my hope from the Lord. Now listen, I've been in that place before. I've been in that place where I thought there's no hope for this situation whatsoever. I thought, oh God, there's no way that I'm going to ever see victory when it comes to this particular situation or this particular person or this particular or, uh, relationship or this particular disease or sickness. There's no hope for me whatsoever. There's no way that this is going to be in a positive way resolved by the hand of God. I've lost my hope. There is no hope in me and my future is lost boy what a sad place to be wouldn't you agree with me you look to the future and think there's no hope for me whatsoever he still has the wrong revelation now i want you to look at verses 22 through 24 same writer same chapter same circumstance same atmosphere but he changes his tune and he says because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. Praise, praise the Lord. That's shouting material right there. His mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great, Lord, is your faithfulness. I say, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him but didn't he just say i have no hope didn't he just say my future is gone i have no future i have no blessing what changed well he took his eyes off of his circumstances and he placed his eyes upon the God who has been faithful throughout the years. He has never let him down, and he was not going to let him down now. He was feeling emotional about his circumstance and his situation, and he gave way to the emotions of the moment, and he started confessing things that were absolutely not true. I have no hope. There's no way. There's no deliverance. I can't make it and then he focused his eyes upon God and said he's always seen me through he's never let me down he has always come to my aid therefore the hope that I thought was lost I am now going to invest that hope in God Almighty and he is going to see me through somebody ought to praise the Lord right now because if he'll do it for him he'll do it for you. On the way to church this morning, Donna said, play me some music. I need something that'll lift my soul. And I just randomly put on whatever was on my phone. And it was this band, this new band called Southbound. Many of you have heard some of their music and they did Clint Brown. And here's the song. Here's the chorus. 
and we had no plans for this whatsoever. But here's what it says, morning mercies, always there even when the world seems dark. Morning mercies, showing up with hope right where you are. Grace that always covers me, help for those who are in need. A never-ending love with endless reach. Each day while we're waking up, it's waiting there for all of us. And through the eyes of faith, we get to see morning mercies. How many of you need some morning mercy today? How many of you need for God to give you a new dose of morning mercy? He will do it. The third thing I want to mention to you is the magnitude of the benefits. Now, I want you to look what the psalmist said. He said that he daily loads us with benefits. Now, look at your neighbor and say, loads. Tell him, say, you are loaded. You are, why are you loaded? Because every day God is pouring out fresh mercy upon you. He is loading you with mercy. That's what it says. Now, this word benefit literally means anything that comes to our life that is helpful and sustaining, whatever that is. The very breath that you are breathing today is a blessing from God. He has loaded your lungs with His air. He has loaded your mind with His knowledge and wisdom. He has loaded your body with healing virtue. I, you know, I just, I'm amazed at how our bodies can heal themselves. How do you think that happens? It's because of the way God created this. I was so happy when the doctor told Donna, though she had broken her shoulder, her arm there, he said, we're just going to leave it alone and let it heal on its own. I'm glad that God was smart enough and wise enough and good enough and merciful enough to say to Miss Donna and everybody else in this room, I'm going to give you a body that can divinely heal itself. It doesn't do it by itself. It does it under my anointing and with my wisdom, but I will allow your body to heal itself. I'm glad that God cares about me that much. We're blessed by food. Amen. I like food, don't you? I like it. We have a roof over our head, our shelter. We get to go to our beds in the evening and put a quilt over our bodies that keeps us warm. We have clothing that we can wear. Aren't you glad you didn't have to come to church naked today? I'm really glad of that. God has blessed you. He said, don't worry about what you're going to wear. I clothe the ravens of the field, and I'll clothe you too with whatever you have need of. Our relationships are blessings from him. Our transportation. Now, you may have a stinky car, but let me tell you something. There are people in this world that don't even have a car. They have to walk wherever they go because they have no transportation. I'm thankful for transportation. I'm thankful for education. I'm glad that I know the things that I know. I'm thankful for love. Aren't you glad that God has put people in our lives that love us? They genuinely care about us. They're concerned about us. That is a blessing from God. The joy of the Lord. We already sang about it. You remember, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Well, down in my heart. Well, down in my heart. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Well, down in my heart to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I have the love of Jesus in my heart. I'm so happy. I thought you'd join me at any point there, but you never did. So if you're going to quit on me, I'm going to quit too. Notice that word loads. It literally means that God places a burden upon us. That's what that word load means. It's like the ox that has to bear the burden, the load, that has to pull the plow that brings prosperity in our lives. In other words, God loads blessings upon us. 
but not in the sense that his blessings weigh us down. Not in that sense. It's not to hurt you or to harm you, but it's so that you can take that blessing that he's placing upon you and you can sow the seed into the ground. That's what the oxen did. They'd pull the plow and make it possible to take the seed and place it in the ground so that when the seed was sown, the blessing of the harvest would come at a later point. So what God is saying is, I'm going to give you something today. That if you will sow it in the right place, in the right way, at the right time, it's going to produce a harvest in your life that will absolutely blow your mind. Aren't you glad that he loads blessings upon us? He does. And then fourthly, there is mercy in the benefits. Mercy in the benefits. Notice the words of the psalmist. He said, even the God of our salvation. Let me make this point one more time. He keeps saying, even the God, even the God, the God of blessing, the one who blessed us, God. He never mentions anyone else in this entire verse. He only mentions God. And the reason is, is he wants us to recognize that every blessing in our life is there because of God. You know, if you were to look at your blessings, you'll, it, it will all you, always lead you back to God. It will always... You remember last week, I told you about the, the fable of the yarn in the labyrinth and how that when Theseus, when he went in to fight the Minotaur, that they gave him a ball of yarn and a sword. And he tied the end of the ball of yarn to the front door of the labyrinth. So that once he had killed the minotaur, then he was able to follow his way back to the door that would lead him to freedom. And so he picked up the yarn and he just kept following it back and following it back and following it back until finally he was the first person to ever escape the labyrinth. Because he had something that was traced back to the very beginning and the open door. Let me tell you something. If you, for you parents that are raising kids right now, every day that you are investing in them, it's like you're giving them a ball of yarn. It's like you're saying, if you will tie this to Jesus then no matter where you go in life and no matter what happens to you and no matter what battles you have to face, no matter what situation, when you're ready to return, you can just pick up that ball of yarn, if you will, and just find your way back to the source of the one who has blessed you throughout your lifetime. You see, when you train up a child in the way he or she should go, they will not depart from it when they are old. They'll always be challenged by the Word of God and the revelation of God that you have bestowed upon them and that you have invested in their lives. So follow back. If you're in a place today where you just can't see any blessings around you, isn't it true when it rains day after day after day after day, that after a while you're sitting in your house and it's like, oh, God, I know we needed this. I know that, you know, Mark Weinberg said that we were in drought and all that kind of stuff. But, Lord, you know, isn't enough enough? You know, how, I mean, I can't even walk through my yard without it squishing through my toes. Of course, that's a, that's a good way to wash between your toes. You don't, you, know, you, gotta, you don't have to bend over and do it yourself. But it just gets, it's so much and so much. I'm that way with wintertime. And I know that we've got Bill Dietz is one of the, one of the guys that just loves wintertime. Wintertime doesn't bother him. He's from Maryland. He'd go out in his, in his basketball shorts and sandals with six inches of snow on the ground. He just loves it. And I love it to a degree. But the older I get, the less I like snow. Can I get an amen from anybody? And the older I get, the more I hate ice. Amen? I just, and then there comes a point when it's like, okay, 
God, this was a good idea. It was pretty the first day. But now everybody in town has driven through it, and it just looks like a muddy mess out there. And I keep having to move it out of the way. And, Lord, I just pray that you'll stop it now. In Jesus' name, I've had enough. And then we think about the things that bother us and are difficult for us, and we fail to remember that God blessed us, and that God is blessing us, and that He is the blesser. And you know what we need to do in moments like that? We need to reach down and pick up our ball of yarn, and we just need to trace it back to the last time God blessed us. And then we need to take a new route and follow it to the next time that God blessed us. And then keep going through our life. God, you blessed us. God, you blessed us. God, you blessed us. I don't know how many times through the years as a pastor that I've seen people get gloriously saved and make a change in their life and start following Christ. And they're excited. I mean, they get baptized. They, and we got them all the way down. So they're totally baptized. I mean, from head to toe, we got them all. They're glorifying Jesus. We're thankful for what he has done. And then two or three years later, they've lost their joy. And they've lost their, their desire to really be a child of God. And the reason is, is that they've not really spent time in the Word of God. They don't know that they're a victor every day of their life. They don't know that they're an overcomer over every circumstance that they, they face. They don't know that they are blessed in every way. They don't know that the mercies of God are new every day. They don't know because they've never sought it out. But let me tell you something. The day that you were saved, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit came into you and took up residence in you and promised to be there and never leave you and so there's no reason for you to ever feel like you know I tried that Christianity thing and that was not for me no push harder seek longer look for revelation in places where you need it and I promise you the God who blessed us in the very beginning is still blessing us today and will give you everything that you have need of even the God of our salvation. Now, I've taught you through the years that mercy is compassionate treatment in the time of need. In other words, whatever you need right now, God's mercies will supply what you need in that situation. There are times I've seen God heal bodies instantaneously. What is that? That's mercy. That's compassionate treatment in the time of need. I've seen God take prodigals that were so far away from him and suddenly changed the whole equation when they came back walking down that narrow road into the arms of the Father. I've seen God do so many wonderful things that can only be described by the mercy of God, compassionate treatment in the time of need. But here the psalmist says, even the God of our salvation. So what's he talking about? Is he talking about getting saved? Not in Psalm, because Jesus had not gone to the cross yet. Jesus had not laid down his life for mankind, not at this point. And so he must be talking about something else, and he is. This word salvation here literally means deliverance. And it brings the connotation that when you have been captured by something that is contrary to the ways of God, and it is holding you tight, and you cannot break free, and you cannot get away from it, then what you have to do is you have to exchange your strength for the, for the strength of God. In your weakness, the Bible says that he will be strong. And so what the psalmist is saying is, is this blesser that I know who blesses us with mercy every day is the God of our deliverance. So when deliverance comes to me, the only thing that I can think of to do is to give praise to the one who did the delivering, to give praise to the one who has always been with me, to give praise to the one who has strengthened me in my weakness, to give glory to the blesser. Amen. Aren't you glad today that you know the blesser? Amen. Somebody give him praise today. 
I have one final thought. I have one final thought. And it is, what are we supposed to do with this information? What do we do with it? Well, the psalmist gives us the idea of how we're supposed to respond. After he'd said all that he said, he simply said, Selah. Don't you love that word, Selah? I know a person that he just says Selah all the time. It doesn't matter where he's at or what he's doing or what the situation is. You can just look at him and he'll say, Selah. It's like, what do you mean, Selah? It says, Selah is important for the child of God. Here's what it is. The term Selah is actually a musical term. And it means to stop and to pause and reflect on what has just been said or performed. So have you ever been in a situation where somebody said something and you didn't quite get it? It just didn't quite land. Did somebody ever say something to you and you just kind of looked at them like, I don't know. I didn't get it. Well, what the psalmist is saying is that when you have been given the knowledge in order to get to understanding and wisdom, You've got to go through a pause moment where you stop and you just say, Selah. You know, sometimes we do that in our music. Sometimes we've sung a song, and I mean, the message is so powerful. By the way, didn't you love seeing these kids up here today? And we've been trying to get them more plugged in and doing things. And I just kind of have this thing that, you know, we, we don't want to stuff our kids in the back room while we're having worship because when they turn, uh, you know, become adults and get old and they're out of youth group and whatever, they come into the worship service and they don't even know what to do. They don't know what worship looks like because we stuck them in the back room somewhere. And, you know, we need to have our kids, teenagers, young people, and our kids in a place where they can feel and experience the love of Jesus Christ and the moving of His Spirit. That's one of the things Miss Becca is going to do. She asked me, she said, would it be okay if when I start this, could I just bring the kids in at the beginning for worship? She said, I know why we stopped doing it, because we've got young converts that are learning to worship themselves and, and to have to take care of their child and their kid during worship just kind of takes it away from them, the opportunity to work. She said, I'll watch every one of them. She said, I'll get a team together to come back and sit. We'll sit on the back row and we'll sing and we'll worship and we'll dance together. And then when we're done with praise and worship, we'll go in for the lesson. I said, man, that sounds good to me. I love it when our young people are involved in the church. You know, we've been saying for years, our young people are not just the future of the church they're the church right now and we need to treat them like that so young people I just loved it today I just love I, I was watching Bailey tears coming down her face today singing praising the Lord lifting her hand up just giving Jesus praise I love seeing Savannah up there she, I love it when she goes whoo I mean she does that just, I mean, she's feeling it, you know. She told me that. She said, when I do that, I'm feeling it. I said, praise the Lord. I love it. So hard. I couldn't see Harper over here. You know, Harper's one of those, some days she likes to worship and some days she doesn't. How many of you have ever, you know, had one of those days? I just love it when our kids are involved in the moving of the Spirit of God and could experience it and move. And, and what I'm saying is, is that there are times that after a musical presentation has been made or a song has been sung or the Word has been preached and, and the Word of Revelation has come forward, there are times that we just have to take a Selah moment. There are times that we just have to say, and, and this happens to me quite frequently. I'll get an email Sunday afternoon. Pastor, you said such and such today, and could you further explain that to me? Because I'm not quite sure that it hit where it needed to hit with me. 
And I'll say, man, yes, I'm glad. Hey, listen, nothing makes me happier when the, than when the children of God want to explore the, different, or the, the deeper revelations of God's Word. So don't ever feel like that you can't call me or text me or email me or whatever. I wanna, that's the reason I'm here, is to help you grow in your faith. I want to be able to help you. And then there are others. Just a couple of weeks ago, somebody came up after church, someone who typically doesn't come here. But I watched them in the altar, and I saw tears coming down their face. And I thought, well, praise the Lord. This is a wonderful moment. And when church was over, this individual came to me and said, I don't know, Pastor. He said, what you said today just hit me in the right place. said, in fact, it hit me about three times. And I thought, well, praise God for that. Listen, I pray that every time I come to the house of the Lord that God will hit me right between the eyes with a deeper revelation and meaning of His Word so that I can grow in my faith and mature and become everything He wants me to become. Selah. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is anything that is praiseworthy, dwell on these things. There was a professor at Northwestern University by the name of Vicki Medvek. She did some research and found that bronze medalists in the Olympics were quantifiably happier than silver medalists. This makes absolutely no sense because the silver medalist beat the bronze medalist. But here's what she discovered. The silver medalist tended to focus on how close they came to winning gold, so they were dissatisfied with a silver medal because they did not win. But bronze medalists tended to focus on how close they came to not winning at all. And so they were happy just to be on the medal stand because they were that close to losing altogether. So they took their victory, though it was not ultimate victory. It was not a gold medal. It was not a silver medal. It was a bronze medal, but they were just happy to be where they were. Let me tell you what the evidence says. The technical term for what's happening with those who are on the stand is called counterfactual. That's the big Fancy word for what happens between the silver medalist and the bronze medalist. There is an upward counterfactual, and it is focusing, focusing on how things could have been better. Like winning the gold instead of the silver. But here's what that does. It produces frustration in the silver medalist because they set their sights on the ultimate goal of winning, but they fell short. And so they were dissatisfied with the silver medal. But for the bronze medalist, it's called a downward counterfactual, and it's focusing on how things could be worse, like not winning a medal at all. And it produces the opposite feeling from the silver medalist. It produces a feeling of gratitude. You see, they just barely made it onto the stand, but they were happy that they made it that far. Things could have been much worse. And I think that's the message that I'm trying to get to us over and through these series of messages. We need to focus on what God has for us. So what if you aren't the most popular person in school? So what if you don't get the prettiest girl to marry you? So what if your husband is not toned and can flex his muscles and bust open his shirt? Can he bring dinner home? I mean, that would be better than busting out of his shirt. Counterfactual, downward, is better than counterfactual, 
upward because counterfactual upward focuses on our failures where counterfactual downward focuses on the blessings that we do have and it causes gratitude to come to our soul and to our spirit. Isn't that good news? I want the Hilberts to come and get ready. I've asked them to sing a song today. And while they sing this song, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come, stand up front. And I want you, if you have a prayer need of any kind today, I want you to come, realizing that God wants to bless you in this moment right now, today. He wants to bless you. And you can just come down here, and they'll pray with you and believe with you. But I want to make this statement before they sing. And then I'm going to come back after they sing, and I have one more statement that I want to leave you with today. But this one is for now. Somebody has said, either your theology will conform to your reality, or your reality will conform to your theology. Now let me say that in a way that you'll understand it. Your theology can be changed based on your circumstances. Unless you set your feet in stone and say, what I believe is going to be stronger and more powerful than what I feel. Because your theology can change with your circumstances. That's why it's so important for you to get your face in the book of blessings, the promises of God that are yes and amen. Because once you establish your theology on this book, then it doesn't matter what your circumstances say. The only thing that matters is what does God say. And when you know what God says, then your circumstances have to conform to your theology because it's based on what God says rather than what Satan tries to tell you through your circumstances. So I want them to come and sing this. And if you need prayer today, just come on down. You don't have to wait until the song is over. Just come on down here and let us pray with you. And we're going to believe God is going to do a miracle in your life today. Come on, guys. See the cross, the empty grave, the 
evidence is endless. All my sin rolled away because of you, oh Jesus. See the cross, the empty grave, the evidence is endless. All my sin rolled away because of you, oh Jesus. Oh, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. I see your promises and fulfillments all over my life, all over my life, yeah. Promises and fulfillments all over my life, all over my life. So why should I fear? Oh, the evidence is here. Why should? with me if you will just before they sang that beautiful song I said this either your theology will conform to your reality or your reality will conform to your theology chew on that today but until you do let me say it a different way that you might be able to understand more easily and it simply is this don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Can I say that again? Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Don't you know that everything about God is right? Everything about Him is good everything about him and because everything about him is good and right and he is the blesser then today in Jesus name I declare you to be blessed with the blessings of God when you leave this house today you can't say I'm not blessed why because I'm declaring it over you right now in Jesus name your pastor is standing in this pulpit today and I'm declaring goodness and favor and blessing Listen, I already told somebody earlier today, favor can frustrate you. But I'd rather have the favor along with the frustration because God is able to get me out of the frustration and into a place of great faith. Do you believe that today? Now, if you are favored by God today, I want you to lift your hands up in this house and give Him praise and glorify His name right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I'm thankful for the Spirit of God today. Thankful for Him. I'm thankful for you. Thank you for letting me be your pastor. Thank you for allowing me during this time to invest the Word of God into you. I didn't bring anything special with me when I came to you. But I tell you what we all have, and that is the Word and the Spirit of God. And we will overcome. How do we do that? By the Word of our testimony. By the blood of the Lamb. I'm blessed today. Amen. I want you to celebrate this week. Because 13 years ago, Spirit Life Church came into existence. This is our birthday week. Hasn't God been good to us for the last 13 years? 
He has blessed us beyond our wildest imaginations. When everybody told us it couldn't be done, when everybody said it's just a matter of time, when everybody said and everybody had their opinions, our hope was not in their opinions. Our hope was in the promises of God. And look what he's leading us to. My wife prophesied to me today. Because I've been feeling a little bit discouraged because I've seen so many empty seats. It's like I, I know that it's vacation season and all that, but the more tan seats that I see, the less I like it. And she said, you know what? She said, I'm remembering back. There it is. She's pulling on that string in the labyrinth. I remember back to where our church was just before COVID. Said we were being blessed. We had a full house every Sunday. People were coming in, left and right. People that we didn't know, they were coming and being a part of the church. She said to me, she said, I believe that God is going to do it again. How many of you will help me believe to do it again? Amen. I believe he will. God bless you. Go with him. You are truly blessed because of him. Have a wonderful week. Don't blow yourself up Tuesday.